0: I I think we used that back in Monmouth when we were recording at Rockfield. Back in the the good old days, yeah, I know.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
2: Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 219 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards!
3: Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and this week, I'm feeling a little buried alive by love. It's what like What does a- that mean? <laughs> no! I'm not at all. What does that mean to you? It doesn't work as a pun! Well, it could be a razor romance, or the funeral of hearts. You can decide. You decide, Sean. You carry on. It's going a funeral of a twat. <laughs> uh,
2: this week's guest <laughs> is, well, what can I say? Absolute
3: cult legend, Ville Valo. Yes, love metal pioneer, the heartogram Woo! cult leader, and a goth poster boy for all you collectibles. Come on, we yeah. all know most of you listening ripped out pictures from magazines on your wall. But. I'm so happy about this. Vallo has been influencing eyeliner looks and more importantly, bringing people together with his music his whole career. Him are one of those bands who moved a generation of subcultures and the amount of people I know with heartogram tattoos are off the scale and it's a big part of their life. Vil is back releasing music under his new solo VV double V Project Banner, with his debut album, Neon Noir, available now. And in this conversation, he talks to us about starting a new chapter while still keeping the spirit of him alive after they disbanded in 2017, followed by a lot of wild stories you wouldn't believe. A true symbol, a true icon in the alternative music scene. And you got to see a little bit of that magic up close and personal back in the day, Sean.
2: Yes, we once, um, the Blackout once played a show with N.E.R.D., The Used, him and uh, Linkin Park. So I think we played together like maybe once technically, which is weird really because all the bands run then, we normally did like festival runs with them, so like we'd be on similar things. But um, yeah, only the once we got um, to experience them and they were class. And as you are about to find out, Vilvalo is an absolutely beautiful human. Some of the stories and some of the things he talks about on this podcast, I cannot believe. I cannot believe. He mentions a treasure that is buried somewhere that they buried 23 or 24 years ago. And it's unfound, we think.
0: Ooh!
3: Oh, all sorts going on. And we're going to be talking about literally everything from the likes of him getting back on stage for the first time with this new project, his romance for music, frontmanship, do's and don'ts, his love for Downloads Festival. We talk Jackass, Bamangera, Steve O, Blind Channel, the importance of the Heartogram, and even his dad's sex shop. So an insight <laughs> into absolutely everything you'd ever want to know about Vilvalo on this episode. Uh, But before we get into everything, just a quick reminder, if you enjoy what we do, if you like cults and you want to join our cult full of amazing people, please head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash sapnin, to help keep this podcast running each and every week and meet a host of your new best friends.
2: Yes, our Patreon is absolutely fantastic. It's very culty, very culty.
3: Anyway, let's go on with it. eh? Yes, this is episode 219 of Sapnin Podcast with the icon, Vilvalo, of him. Sapnin! Sapnin! Pop in the top. What's happening? What's happening?
0: What's happening, gents?
3: Yes! Yay! This week's
2: guest is singer, songwriter, cult legend, <laughs> uh, the mighty, mighty Vilvalo.
0: How are you? I doing I heard you say sinner, and I thought that that sounds way better than a singer. Oh, so.
2: well, Joe, I'm <laughs> writing that down. we am taking that for next time for other people, yeah.
0: Um, I'm, I'm getting there a bit under the weather, to be honest with you. But uh, I guess that these are these are the days and the times of such things going about. So uh, I'm getting, uh, you know, started to revive myself. I, I was a bit of a zombie last week, you know, Netflix. Oh. Made, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling better. It's a bit rough, and uh, uh, you know, but can't have it all. Just uh, trying to get some, you know, I'm trying to be the martyr and get some empathy.
3: <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time to to speak to us, considering everything, but such an interesting time, such a, a, a new journey, a new chapter of your life. Done your first solo shows or under the VV banner as of late. I'm sure it's just kind of crazy to get back into the swing of everything.
0: It was a great, great start and I was very nervous about it because I haven't been on stage uh, with a rock band since since him disbanded. And then the then the, it was fairly poetic as well that we played the same uh, venue where we played the last show with him. It's a very... What would I compare it to? Maybe the Astoria of Helsinki. It's a it's a tiny rock, club, but it's very uh, it's very sort of respected. And that was the place when we were younger. That was the place to play. So uh, um, I'm super happy that it went well because when you get the nerves, you know, when you get the uh, the butterflies going, you can't really tell in advance. You have to just go through the fire, whatever you want to call it, and see what happens. You know, if you do come up out on the other side or unscathed or uh, or advance into a crisp, and uh, I think that managed. I managed to uh do somewhere you know get somewhere at halfway, halfway between that, so it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. No pe- people seemed love we played a lot of hymn songs, so it was a lot of old and a lot of new and it's tough to say it felt weird to be for the first time on stage playing old hymn tracks with a new band, a lot of old experiences at the same time, and it, you know sort of like a. it felt quite weird. it was sort of you know a futuristic nostalgia.
2: Yeah, I bet, I bet it was strange playing new songs and old songs at the same time.
0: Indeed, indeed it was. But the um, I think the audience was really, you know, they 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 could see my distress on stage, and they at least pretended that they care.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Yeah, I'm sure they do. You have a you have a massive cult following. Yeah, well, you mentioned then about having nerves and then um, seeing how it goes. Has there been any shows where you've gone on and? Ended up in flames, like you said, like it's gone badly? Uh,
0: usually, yeah, it's been just me drinking too much and then, uh, uh, you know, lighting up a cigarette too close to my mouth. So uh, that's what happens. Boof. <laughs> you know, I think it's important, at least it was for me. I grew up idolizing people like Jim Morrison and idolizing the sort of like the, the, the boho, sort of crazy, egocentric, you know, lizard sort of methodology of, of the days of yore and uh, so i had to learn the ropes and i had to uh you know work on my uh work on my stamina uh intoxicant wise uh for for a wee bit or actually quite a bit wee bit to sort of like come to the realization that uh, that, uh if i want to be a good sinner as you mentioned <laughs> hey. and, or a musician and, and a musician uh I can't do both. You know, it's tough to play the acoustic guitar and write a new song if your hands are shaking. So, uh, so, uh, you know, I wanted to be somewhere in between, you know, Bukowski and uh, I was on the verge of saying Ozzy Osbourne, but then again, Ozzy Osbourne already is half Bukowski. So, but I tried. Yeah. It was, I, I thought it was an important thing. You know, I'm, I'm a bit old school. We started, started in the nineties. The so it was still pretty macho and pretty sort of idiotic. These days it's getting way. People are more. Health conscious and more concentrating on on the actual gigs. Uh, that's actually something we have, uh, have to blame Steve Jobs because before the days of the uh, uh, days of the uh, you know portable cameras or whatever I- iPhones or whatnot, you know, it's uh, we never got caught. We did the silliest things on stage and n- nobody was fast enough to take the pictures to prove it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I always find it interesting when you look back at old uh, live footage from bands from the 90s or 80s or anything that they were, had professionally brought in, you see the flashes going off of people's cameras during really big moments. And that's something you, do, you don't get these days because it's just
0: automatically done. Yeah, very true. And the lighter moments, you know, these days the people tend to hold their, I'm not sure if there's a, uh, like a lighter app, there should be, <laughs> Flipper, like a Zippo, Zippo. And then, yes. you know, because people too tend to put the uh, flashlight or whatever on, on their iPhones and then swing those, so I, I think people still appreciate music in the same sense as now. Uh, that hasn't changed, but but yeah, it's a bit different. And then I think the weirdest thing is actually to see people in uh, even in the first rows to to sort of like enjoy the gig through the lens of a, of an iPhone. So they're not actually experiencing the gig; they're watching it through the apparatus.
2: Very surreal, I guess, because yeah, if people are not there, yeah, it's, it's hard. And especially when you're trying to get a crowd to do things or feel emotions and they just check in that they've got the focus right. I guess that's, it's sad, really. It's sad. Yeah. No,
0: it's not, it's not sad. It's, it's telling you, you're not doing your job.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. You mentioned Ozzy before and I know he's given you some, um, advice about, uh, you mean the flashing advice? Yeah, the pop in the top, as I call it. yeah
0: oh, pop in the top. i never heard that one before, you know. <laughs> pop the top? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, it uh, I've only met him once. And uh, that was somewhere, I think it was in Venice. We did a, fo- a photo session with uh, with um, Ozzy and Slash. And you can imagine the nerves going there because it was such a weird thing. And uh, Ozzy was a few hours late. And, and uh, then Dennis Slash was... Chain smoking and being such a gentleman that these things happen, you know. He didn't mention Axel regarding uh, waiting for a long time for, uh, for the prima donnas to appear. But yeah, but also it was worth the wait. We sat down and had a chat, and indeed, we were talking about playing gigs and talking about getting the, you know, the front rows going. And he was like, he was really adamant about it that we should know, both me and Slash, that uh, you need to pop the top as a, as a, as a male performer. On stage to to get the first drawers going, he really said that once you do that, everybody will follow. I'm not sure if it happens these days, and whether I would be blamed for sort of like abusing.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I can't think. I can't think of a time I've ever seen Aussie without a top on. To be honest, I can't think. I don't think I've ever seen Aussie's nipples. So I don't know if he's lying.
0: <laughs> oh wow, oh, it, it might be. I'm, I'm not quite sure. But then you just have that. You know he. he he was do that quite a bit. I think in the eighties, the you know, while the heads of Deb and Doves, you know. So I, I remember just the fact that when we sat when we sat down and he told the story, it was just, you know, he was like a kid in a candy store. And I, I don't think that he was thinking about boobs per se, but he was thinking, you know, he looked like he's really into music and performing, and you know, he was so such like a kid telling that yeah, you got to do this. It's amazing. You you need to do it because it it'll happen. And well, you know, and. uh I should have maybe told, told him that I'm a goth so it doesn't really work that way. But
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we love hearing these kind of stories, but going back to the, these recent live shows, and I saw the set list, and as you mentioned, I found it so interesting that you approached it with playing a new song, then a hymn song, a new song, then a hymn song. And I find it when a lot of artists have bands who, who break up or disband that normally they want to kind of Stay away from any preconceived notions from that as well, but it seems that even though you're starting this new chapter of your musical journey, you still want to honor everything that happened with him and celebrate those songs and the band's life because it meant so much to people
0: I, I think that might be due to the fact that uh, uh that him or oh, the rare band that were able to split up amicably, so there was no sort of hard feelings of course it was you know heartfelt and it was melancholy and it was sad in a sort of positive way but uh, but uh, I wrote most of the songs and I've been singing them for all my life and music in, in general is uh, that's my crutch that's how my survival method and uh, and so it would be silly of me not to not to sing those tracks as well because I, I th- also think that it, it sort of like it gives a fuller picture of because you have there was a, like 30 years we're playing uh, When Love and Death Embrace the song that I wrote maybe 96 so it's, it's a quite a long time and it's a funny how music travels, it's like uh, this weird time-traveling machine, you know, playing a song from 30 years ago, or uh, listen to a song 30 years ago, that you heard from the first time 30 years ago, it's like a, you're instantly there, you remember the smells and the sights and the sounds, and, and uh, that's the power of music to me. So um, it's cool to do that zigzagging between the future and the present and everything, and hopefully melding that together in a sort of semi-coherent fashion, you know?
3: And really, stepping back on stage for the first time in six years, did, was there any preconceived notions of like, oh, I wonder, like, I wonder if I remember how to be a front man or was it just muscle memory getting back on stage after so long?
0: Well, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a romantic, so I have to think in more. I, don't, I can't think in terms of uh, frontmanship, or like, uh, mm. what moves you're going to bust? Are you going to use a <laughs> or B17 tonight? So, uh, I think it's, it has to be once again, heartfelt and it needs to be, it needs to come from the heart, whatever it is you do. Of course, there's parts of parts that you've done so many times before, like, um, certain movements, movements, muscle movements, especially singers know this because there's some parts in like, uh, we had a song called Buried Love," by Love, which I think fairly, uh, uh, you know, on the top of my lungs. So there's this pss, sort of like crouches uh, I, I have to make to push those uh, notes out. So those are very. It's funny. It's like a muscle. You know that you've been doing it for such a long time that uh, you, you'll get there faster. Uh, but um, but I, I think it's a, like an emotional combo, like a roller coaster. It's a combo of so many different things. It's the it is the past coming together with with the present. The the whole history of of the band him then uh, then the audience and trying to proving is a weird word you know it's not about proving that i'm worthy so to speak you know i'll do what what I, I do as best as i can and hope they resonate um but i think honesty is part of it you know the fact that you're not pretending to be somebody that you're not you know i'm i've always enjoyed i, I don't you know i love papa from Ghost, for example and i love the sort of like the separation between the reality and the, and the stage persona the uh, vincent fernier alice cooper you know, Brian Warner, Marilyn Manson, Gene Simmons, The Demon, all that stuff, you know, it's, it's really important. But for me, um, uh, songwriting-wise, I always felt the strongest relation with a, with a, with somebody I can really, I, I can at least claim to myself that I can feel at least some of what that singer or songwriter is feeling. You know, I grew up listening to, on the other hand, Neil Young uh, and stuff, which is quite heartfelt and direct, as opposed to just like play. Like, Sabra de cadabra, which if somebody can tell me what that song is about, you know, please, please educate me. But um, you know, especially Giza's lyrics are so, you know, far out at times. Uh, which, you know, sign of the times, I guess. But uh, but I, I do like part of like direct communication between the heart, the singer, and the listener, if if that is possible. So um, so uh, it's a it's a it's a sort of tall order, but uh hmm. No, it's. I dug my. I dug this hole for myself. I guess
2: <laughs> it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it.
3: <laughs> well, but you said about being a like romantic with this, and I can really feel that with the new album, Neon Noir. And I was wondering, like, behind the scenes, when you were finally getting down to to write these songs, and though it's been a long time in the works, was there any? idea of you starting fresh that you felt really excited about? Or do you just feel this is a continue of your body of work throughout the years? I mean, where, where was your mindset really when uh, approaching this for the first time?
0: Uh, well, right after him, I didn't really think about right after we finished uh, the last tour with him because I, I thought that would have been unfair. It's like uh, I'm, I'm fairly monogamous when it, when it comes to musical relationships, you know. it's uh, I don't find it... You don't want to f around when you're having a good thing going so um so uh it's uh, i felt that it would have been dishonest to start thinking about future already went in him all my focus was in him as long as as long as uh it was there as long as it existed and uh and of course not only myself but our friends friends told me as well that now this is my chance to start. you know it's a clean slate and i can do exactly what i want to do you know get new crazy things or ideas going and uh, i guess start afresh but uh but to be honest with you, I, I found it endearing that after all those, all that speculation, I realized that the best way to figure out where you're at is to pick up the guitar and write a song, which I did. And that ended up being Runaway from the Sun, uh, one of the songs on the album. And it kind of led me right back to who I am as a singer, songwriter, or oh, sorry, a sinner, and then uh, uh, <laughs> You know, it, it was very organic in that sense. Uh, you know, Zebra and his, his stripes and so forth. You know, it's a, like there's a lot of musical identity of him is so integral of who I am that there's no reason it we, would be dishonest to try to change it forcefully just because. So um, I thought that uh, I thought that, that was, uh, you know, it's a, like whenever in doubt, pick up the guitar. That's my, that's my motto these days.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
4: Code buttery exclusions apply. See site for details.
2: Was there any time before you picked up the guitar when you were considering trying something else, or lost into what to do next, or did you
0: did you start making a plan other than songwriting? Um, for a wee bit, I was bit because I didn't know what to expect when the fam- band was done. I, I wasn't sure how it's going to feel, or and. and since the band had been gone for nearly 30 years, uh, from the first, uh, first versions, like the first very demo-y sort of early 90s ideas and, and, and stuff, I sort of was really surprised that it didn't, I didn't feel much different when the band was done. So the first day I woke up after the last gig, I felt exactly the same. Just had a, had a sense of relief. Uh, you know, the last gigs went down really well, the tour. So we did with the tour what we wanted to. Everybody was still friends and, uh, it was a sort of bittersweet, bittersweet, but, uh, we're more sweet than bitter. So, um, so, uh, yeah, but it still took me a while. It didn't, it didn't feel logical for me to start working on new stuff straight after. And then I, I did a project in Finnish, uh, with a, with this local sort of, they play sort of fifties kind of like, uh, the shadows kind of guitar music. It's very, very old school. And I, I did a project with them, uh, with which we toured here in Finland. So it gave me a nice, Musical one eighty, and and also mentally something totally different to think about because I didn't have to think about writing songs. I, we were performing stuff in Finnish, and most of the songs were were uh, like old school, vintage pop hits from the sixties and seventies. So, uh, uh, so it was a yeah, it was cool to play like in front of like jazz festival audiences, mm. stuff like that. It was it was amazing because it's also I think I learned a lot and and. It, does come through on neon noir, especially the more tender moments that, um, there's a lot of power in, in silence as well, and in quiet dynamic. And uh, that was the first time I've ever been on stage with a band that doesn't rely on hiding between, uh, behind, uh, massive walls of guitars and bass. It was quite, quite, a you know, at first daunting, uh, task, but it came quite pleasurable. And then the main guy of that band, the older gentleman, all of them, and, uh, and he's, uh, He's an analog gig who records and produces all the stuff on, on tape and on very old-school uh, machinery. So he kind of gave me a bit of a push as well to start working and recording and producing by myself. So it's all related somehow. If you can hear it through the music, I'm not quite sure, but I think the sensitivity and the sensibility um, is something I picked up uh, during that project. So uh, that project was done after the summer of 2019, and that's when I started recording. And that's first songs were an EP I released in the springtime, the same week when the lockdown started in twenty twenty. The E P was just to check out, you know, test the waters, sort of, you know, put it out and see what people would prefer my kind of racket, or if they moved on. And uh then uh if, if the labels would be interested in releasing it. And uh, you know, people seem to enjoy it. And I during the lockdown we didn't have anything I didn't have anything better to do, so I, I just focused on music to, to be able to, to sort of like have some focus because I, I, as you probably know, we all lost focus and all lost the meaning and the sense of purpose and that for a wee bit. So I thought that what's better than as a goth to put all that negative anything to something positive, you know, which is music.
3: You've got to, you've got to use up the mascara somehow.
0: If mascara doesn't run, it's not a mascara.
3: <laughs> exactly. I like that. That's a really good saying. But I like even after all these years you're having fresh uh, experiences and everything and and seeing the world and art uh, in different ways and is there anything in particular you've maybe learned about yourself over the last few years with your schedule being slightly less busy because with him you were always on the road always in the studio there was such a a busy period where all these things happen you don't really get a chance to take it in was there anything that really stood out to you when you stopped that you were able to think back on and things that like you kind of realize about or hit you or a uh, process for the first time
0: to, to be honest with you I did, my first moments of like sort of reflection back in 2007 when i quit drinking for the first time that is i think that that's total mood and time and vibe killer to be like as a, you don't even have to be a young person, but to sit down and think about what you've done. This it sounds like a punishment by your. It doesn't make any sense. The only thing you can, we we all make mistakes. the The idea is not to make the same mistake again and learn from the mistakes and make new ones. You know, mistakes are like beauty spots. Those are the one. Those are the things that make us who we are and give us our identity. So in, in that essence, I, I think it's very important to go forwards maybe that's something i learned from not going forwards for a wee bit so just you know just to be like uh you know with the blinders on like a racehorse at the track i think that's uh that's what i want to be in next life
3: (laughs) (laughs) well one of the things i really wanted to talk to you about is just the symbol of the heartogram because This is something that's become such iconic. It's much more than just a logo or something for a brand. There's so many people I've crossed in my life who have got it tattooed or it's, it's being a big part for them. And I'm sure you've seen so many things like this throughout the years. But was there a moment in particular where you realized that, whoa, this is something bigger than something I was just scribbling in a notebook and drew? All those years ago, like, was there anything about the heartogram that, that really started hitting you at all?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I thought that when we re- released, we sort of like, it was like a statement of intent as a band when we released Love Metal, that we called the album Love Metal back in 2003 and then had, had a huge sort of golden heartogram on the cover that was us telling not only everybody else, but to ourselves who we are and what we represent. And I think that that was the start of uh, of a beautiful friendship with that particular symbol. Uh, It took a few years for it to especially spread over to the States because then our uh, our friend Bam Margera, who directed quite a few videos for us and with whom we hung out tons, and then Kat Von D and all those people, because they they were really well-known and they were all over the place. Bam had his own show later on and... Where a song on his show was well, the, the the theme music was uh, from the solo album of a guitar player. I played drums on it. Nevertheless, it was a uh, indeed took a life of its own and still has. I'm not sure if you you're well known uh, if you if you heard about it, but there's uh, but there's uh, there's quite a few rappers who are using uh, using hardogram these days in the states, like hip hop artists, and that's that's quite quite weird. I don't know, you know, they probably don't even know what it means or where it comes. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a. I'm. I'm sort of happy because that's a, it is a cool thing that a symbol changes its meaning and its, its values, and along the way, you know, it's it's something. It's nice to sort of create something that has a life of its own. I'm. I'm, I'm happy, but I thought that it's. Uh, I thought that it's something that might also go very wrong because you're, you know the whole combo. You know that was the 2003 that was that was Linkin Park and that was a System of a Down and. That was uh Dimo Borger and that was cradle of Filth and all that, and well, not necessarily cradle so much, they do have a sense of humor, but uh especially Danny but uh, uh I thought they might not go down well, that people wouldn't understand the the sincerity plus the tongue in cheek combo, which is a times tough for people to get, so sort of. that you can you don't have to take yourself seriously, you can still take your you know work seriously and it's a it's a fine line, as you know. Th- you know, sk- skating on thin ice every fucking day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> do you uh, do you remember the first time you you drew drew it or uh, drew a, a, a kind of first sketch of a heartogram?
0: Yeah, I remember it because it was on my birthday, and I think that uh, I think that was in '96, so that would have been when I uh, turned twenty. I had a I had an apartment that was twenty three square meters. And uh, it's basically one big bed. And then every, everybody was just hanging, hanging on the bed. And I had a few of my friends came over. And I was, I was waiting for them. And, and I drew, drew it down. Because we had a... We, on the first album we used uh, used a heart with the number 666 within. So we were playing around with that sort of imagery, the sort of Let's the in the Here's to My Sweet Satan. You know, the stories when you listen to Stay Away to Heaven the other way around, you know. I was I was still... Enamored with the satanic panic and, uh, all yeah. that, all that stuff. So it was, it was a, it, I think it came from all that. And, uh, and, uh, it took a while for myself to realize the, the, the sort of like the value of it. We didn't use it until Razorblade Romance, which was in 2000. And then we called our site the hardware or not the, but hardware.com. So, so, uh, we never used him. Whatever. Well, there was a, there, I think it was a UK gay porn magazine in the seventies called him. Ah. Oh. i was laughing about that. I have a few issues. My dad owns a sex shop, so Oh,
2: nice. <laughs> well, there you go. Has he always owned a sex shop? Sure, since the beginning
0: of time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The big bang, the big bang, sex <laughs> shop. That's what he should call a shop, the big bang. Not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, somebody please copyright as soon as possible. But actually my daddy used to be a cabbie. So while uh, he was I was born, and, and he was doing that for maybe 30 years. And then, as far as I know, they just got the crazy idea there was a sex shop available for purchase, like a, a shop that had been there for quite a while. And then a few of the – I think they were mostly cabbie friends. They thought that it's a brilliant idea. And then after a few years, you know, everybody else sort of left that business, and, and uh, it's a very small shop. But it's like uh, if you've ever seen the Harvey Keitel movie Smoke, where he has that little sort of like cigarette store in, on a corner somewhere in in, in Brooklyn or whatever – very similar vibe it's not only about selling you know blow-up dolls it's more about the sort of the the camaraderie b- between all the shop owners around thrift street and there's all sorts of different restaurants and it's kind of the semi-seedy area of, of helsinki So a lot of a lot of janky, junkies or weirdos hanging about so yeah that's his lifeline like music is mine
3: with the heartogram as well, I mean, as I said, I've seen many tattoos about it. I'm sure you've seen thousands throughout the years. But would you say the best slash worst interpretation of one is Steve-O's with his dickogram?
0: Um, yeah, well, to be honest with you, it's a, it's a tough job to get my jaw to drop down to the floor. <laughs> if yeah, that's, that's fine, but to the floor and with a bang. Um. Yeah, you know what? Can you expect? I, I think that he he wanted to show that he loves me by doing that. Me and Steve, actually, Steve, we got along really well. I haven't seen him many many years, but uh, but we always got along. We hung out, and always thought that that's uh, such a compliment to uh, mm. to the whole shebang. So it's um, and it's there for you know, it's a uh, those were quite heady times. <laughs> yeah,
3: I can <laughs> I can imagine. Um, before we started recording here, you mentioned uh, uh, some little memories recording in Monmouth, Wales, uh, way back. Uh, when do you have any? Uh, do you have any stories and memories from, from recording uh,
0: over here? Yeah, this, the studios are uh, called Rockfield. Everybody in the realm of rock and roll usually knows that because Oasis used to do stuff there. Queen recorded stuff there, and um, uh, Sabbath worked in. And it's a it's a beautiful. This old, old, old farm. And, uh, somebody from a label, I can't remember who just had the idea that let's go there. And we, we just met the producer, a uh, John Fryer who, um, had produced like nine inch nails and at that time stabbing Westwood and, and, uh, all sorts of cool things. That was our first, my first introduction to a real proper world class music producer. So, uh, so it was exciting times. I remember all the pubs and, and, uh, chips with peas. And well, I think we were all vegetarians by then already. So. That was what we survived on. And then we walked over. I can't remember the little, what, the, well, I guess it's Monmouth. There was a like, uh, video rental store. The funny thing was that Mige, who always has the, has the loudest mouth bass player of the band, we walked into town one day, and uh, there was time before the internet or whatever. So, so we rented over VHS. I think it was time before DVDs. So we rented some VHS. And we, there was, for example, Wesley "Nice Blade, number one. We saw that there. <laughs> Uh, nevertheless, we went into the store, and um, there was a well-endowed, like a chestful lady working at the counter. And uh, and uh, Miga was like in Finnish, that, hey, d- fellas, look at that bust! It was just about <laughs> when the lady at the counter spoke to us in Finnish, saying that. Oh, <gasps> Yeah, so it was, it was quite funny. It was such a small Welsh. Be careful whenever in, whenever in Wales. <laughs> ah, that's insane. <laughs> oh,
2: do you know what? I've lived in Wales for 39 years now, and I don't know any Welsh person, or, or I don't think I've met a Finnish person in Wales or anyone who could speak Finnish.
0: I, I think there's, a, there's one guy. Do you know uh, uh, Jamie Hibbert, who lives in Cardiff? He used to be, I think, the editor of Metal Hammer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that was, that was years and years ago. We were really good friends. And, uh, uh, he's originally from Bath, but, uh, I think they, they put to, they opened up a pub in Cardiff a while ago. He's, he's these days, I think uh, he used to be writing for these motorcycle magazines and these, like, I don't know what to call them because I don't read them or sports cars or whatnot. But there's, uh, there's an Englishman who lives in Cardiff who can speak a bit of Finnish wow there we go the well, i just thought that a world is such a small place that you might have known jamie so uh,
2: yeah no uh, no
0: i thing is i probably do <laughs> i probably do he's a great fella but yeah that was that was yeah, it was, it was it's still i'm not sure if we there was a like this guest book in uh at the studio so what we did little tiny you know a <laughs> little tiny uh piece of history for you so it was we were there in 99 recording the album so uh on the guest book, when we left, we drew a map and it's a treasure map. And I'm not sure if anybody actually went there and tried to uh, uh dig it up. But, but there is a little treasure. It's it's not of <sighs> monetary value, but it's been there since ninety nine.
2: Oh, wow. I've got a new yeah, i got a new <laughs> life. now. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <Treasure laughs> uh, it's not far away.
0: it's not far away from the studio, but uh, uh a few stones throws. But uh, wow. that's that's something that I. Uh, you could try to try to find out one. What, are <laughs> talking about? It's, it's not. It's not to go on.
2: Will I wonder if any? Yeah, I wonder if any hymn fans will hear this, and then somehow after <laughs> they will have to book at least one night of recording <laughs> in Rockfield to go there to check the guest book because I'm sure they won't just give you the guest book.
0: No, no idea, no idea. But we ha- we had a great time. We were there. We had two sessions. The first one took about what. A bit less than two weeks, and the second one took more than a month, I think. And uh, I loved it. It was, it. it was great times. It was the first one uh, we've ever been involved with, recording-wise, that, that was a residential studio. So it was nice to have a chef come over, and, and uh, the food was excellent, and drank quite a bit, and walked to the little village in, of Monmouth, and there was two pubs, I think. So yeah. great times. And, and, uh, and it was a big turning point for our band since uh, that album had a song called Join Me in Death which became really, really big in Europe. It was number one in a place like Germany and Switzerland and Austria, I think. And uh, that changed. That also made, turned us from a sort of like a me- more metal band, turned us into this weird crossover thing. So we were in front of kiddies magazines, like teeny sort of pop magazines in in, in somewhere in Europe. And it, it, it was a weird time. It didn't last for long, uh, thank God. But with that, you know, we were able to put our – so like money together from touring successful big tours in, in, in Germany and be able to spend all that money to come fly over there and play in front of 20 people and a dog. So, um, so that it was it an was important step in and also that's the stuff that keeps you grounded that you're not, I'm really happy that we, we were never world famous, like overnight success all around globally. You know, I, I can't understand how people can, how, how they can take it all in. It's, it's a lot of info. It's a lot of ask So uh, you have to appreciate people on the very top that, you know, either they're robots or then their strength of will is extraordinary. Yeah, Yeah,
2: because a lot of those people, a lot of those people just get huge and then uh, either, like you said, turn into a robot or they go wild and completely lose themselves. So
0: Yeah, but you have to appreciate, you know, even though whatever you might think of, let's say Madonna's new adventures, uh, she's still, she's been around forever. You know, it's the big band. since my daddy's shop. And uh, so it's uh, it's quite, a, you know, longevity and stamina uh, and, and the fact that you don't burn too many bridges. So imagine people like Iggy Pop still touring. You know, it's it's amazing. And that, that needs to be at least, you know, hats off and, and my deepest appreciation and, and condolences in some cases as well.
2: Ozzy might have talked to um, Iggy Pop early on because Iggy Pop, he starts the show without a top.
0: <laughs> it's all about pop. Oh, yeah. We popped the top of the pops once as well. We played there in uh, London town.
2: How was that? Was it, um, yeah, I got to go there a few times and I always found it a bit strange because the audience tended not to
0: be the band's audience. Uh, indeed. Uh, we had done those pre- uh, previously in, in Germany quite a bit. They, have, they had the studio near Cologne and uh, we, we were there on a w- sort of weekly basis for a wee bit. Yeah, it feels like a big joke, but um, then I I found the medicine for that, which is alcohol. So um, the only way to go.
3: <laughs> well, Phil, we we've loved hearing uh, all these stories, and just a couple of more quick things now uh, before you go, because we know you're you're a very busy man. Of course, uh, all this touring and. Support within the new album is going to be getting you back to the UK uh, very soon. And then you're also going to be playing Downloads Festival in June. I know that's a place where him and yourself have had many memories in in the past. Um, Can you just talk to us about the kind of UK relationship in general and and playing festivals like that over here and, and some of the memories and what it means to you over the years?
0: Oh, well, you know, Birmingham's always been the mecca. For, uh, for me and uh, d- because of Black Sabbath. And, and, and the whole of UK has so many, all like, you know, Bolletkin House uh, uh, near Loch Ness. You know, it's like the, where Alistair Crowley used to do his uh, dirty bits, pieces and uh, Jimmy Page bought at one point. And I was actually trying to rent it at one point for songwriting, but uh, uh, we weren't able to do it. We were actually pretty close. That was in the early noughties. And uh, so, so UK has always been super important you know uh, because you know that's the where you, where you, i can, well it is the it is the home and the uh, birthplace of heavy metal and harder edged music a place of rock and roll is either africa or america depends on your sort of perspective but uh but you and also for a Finnish band to gain any respect or any attention in the, in the uk not the easiest thing to accomplish so so it's always been very important and and, and i'm glad i made a lot of friends over there you know it's a it's uh, my best friends outside from, you know, my mom, my, my dad, my girlfriend, a couple of close ones here in Helsinki. You know, they're, they're best in the UK. So I, I spend a lot of my free time over Yonder as well. And, uh, and to be able to tour there is amazing. And then if I'm not completely mistaken, all the club shows are sold out. It's pretty darn amazing. It's still, you know, a couple of months to go, a month and a half to go. And um, likewise with Danlo, it's uh, it's something I never would, you know, with all, the, all this history, the Donington Sort of like the original most of rock I grew up with, you know seeing those pictures on the you know on 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 the covers of magazines back in the day, so uh to be somehow part of that lineage it's uh it's an incredible incredible honor i would say and uh, and we we had great experiences they're both good gigs and and challenging gigs and and uh and uh, yeah but I think the last one we played maybe two thousand and thirteen or two thousand and fourteen. Was it, we played the second stage or something. And I remember it wasn't the best of gigs. I was having a hard time or whatever. And then I looked angrily, which I learned from Iggy Pop that you gotta, whenever you're feeling doubt, you know, just shout something at the monitor mixer. You know, (laughs) that's, he deals with it all. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And the, uh, so I did, I was just about to do that. And, uh, right behind his back, um, the the guy doing monitors was, uh, was Tony Iomi. So, uh, I was like, what the hell is he doing? Looking, you know, watching over us, <laughs> we're playing. And I had no more excuses. I was really trying to, try to make it work out. And, um, we got to meet Tony later on and we actually sat down for quite a bit in the, uh, you know, the sun was setting and it was getting a bit cold and metal was playing over we there. And it was, it, it was quite something. There's a, a lot of times when you're in a touring band, you never get a chance to really meet other bands or meet people because you're running to the next place so uh so that was quite special and uh and that 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 sort of stuff only happens in at the at download so i'm I'm waiting what happens this year i'm not quite sure and it's no expectations you swing it and go with the flow and and uh fingers crossed and invertedly of course
3: yeah it yeah, was well, there's, there's uh there's a lot of people over here very excited to see you Tr- trust me quickly as well you mentioned um Finnish bands crossing over you're a huge example of that There's being quite a few especially to this side of, of the world that have had a great success and one at the moment uh, is a band called Blind Channel who have just really yeah. hit it off and I mean uh, if you have m- much ex- experience uh, with with them what's, what's your thoughts on Blind Channel is there any other Finnish bands we should be uh, keeping an eye out for?
0: I think you can't really avoid blind channel here. They were doing the, uh, the Eurovision concerts when they, mm. uh, a couple of years back. It's a big deal. And all the, like the grannies know blind channel here. So, so, uh, it's a bit of a pain can be, but, uh, so it took me a while actually to get interested in them because I thought was a granny metal band, but, uh, yeah, they, they won over the grannies. It's, it was a mistake. Like, they were hoping for a Grammys, but, uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes anyway, we actually share a manager, so uh so oh. I, I still haven't met the guys, but uh, uh I've listened to some of the music and I've heard that they absolutely fabulous live because they're so very energetic. But the music to me is a bit on the safe side. It's very early noughties sort of Linky Pocket stuff, which I do appreciate, but but uh I I like my stuff on the dirtier side. Like, you know, give me the electric wizard and and uh i'll drop my pants <laughs> <laughs> and the
3: last question before you go um just a little bit of a random one is there anything you take on tour that people would be surprised by or wouldn't expect that you either having your travel bag asked for on a rider what's one thing vilvalo needs or appreciates when he's on the road for quite a, a long time
0: to, to be honest with you, I, 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 along the way, I appreciate the sort of the the, the focus. I, I, I put my focus into minimalist travel, so I tra- try to travel with the least amount of stuff I can. Because you can always buy, it. you know, if you forget your toothbrush or whatever. Most of the stuff you can get on on the road. The, the stuff I can't get on the road are my asthma medication. So that's usually the stuff I'm really. Uh, I have my some new roses about, so I've got the right amount, and you can only buy that for about three months. So uh, if, if you're doing a long tour, I have to calculate in at which time to buy the medication so I won't run out. That's what I've been doing for many, 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 many years. But, uh, that's, that's nothing really weird or unexpected, but, uh, that's something that, uh, I, I'd rather live without, but, I uh, can't help it. But yeah, it's getting better. I, I highly suggest anybody having a problem with asthma to quit smoking. That does miracles. <laughs> Who would have knew? who yeah. it yeah, is turns out, it turns out filling your lungs smoke it's
2: not that great for breathing they don't call me a fin for no reason
3: <laughs> Aye. Aye. well we appreciate this conversation I so much it. thank you thank for taking you. the time thank you for the stories thank you for all the music and the inspiration for everyone over the years and we're so excited to see you back in the uk and at, at download in the summer
0: thanks for having me and especially yeah let's get good let's get together and uh Shoot some poop in uh, during our download. That'd be fantastic. Well, oh, yes, yeah, please. yeah, we're,
2: well, yeah. We're on the same
0: stage. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, and good luck for the gig as well, and all the preparation, sort of the reunion thing. It's a big deal, isn't it?
2: It's a- yeah, it's it's um, like it's been seven years now, and for for the first year, like the reason I asked you, like, did you consider doing anything after him? Is because yeah. I was so lost personally. Like, I, I had no idea. I was like, how do I transfer any of these skills I've got from being the singer, screamy fella in a band? How do I, you know, get myself back on earth with everybody else? Um, so, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's been seven years, but I'm very, very excited. And the fact that anybody's interested uh, means the world to me. So, yeah, I'm very, very excited for it. And now I'm very, very excited for seeing you in the flesh. Yeah, thank you for everything. Good luck with uh, Neon Noir. I'm sure it's going to do fucking amazing.
0: <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. Let's sit down once we get to uh, Donington. Yeah, because I'm sure that there'll be there'll be a lot of new adventures to you know tell stories about. You know, it's a, because the tours are starting and the travel is starting, so it, it'll be interesting for the months.
4: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
1: Welcome back to Two Judgy Girls. I'm Mary from the Bay. And I'm Courtney from LA. TJG is the podcast where we spill all the tea on your favorite reality TV shows, celebrity gossip, and everything in between. We're here to bring you our unfiltered opinions, hilarious commentary, and plenty of laughs along the way we're two SDSU Delta Gamma sisters with a microphone and a whole lot of opinions. Each week we dive headfirst into the wild world of reality television from Bravo to all the trash TV you could want. We break down the drama, dissect the latest scandals and share our thoughts on everything from the jaw dropping moments to the embarrassing antics. But that's not all. We're not here to just gossip. We're here to connect with you, the jurors, and share our love of all things pop culture. Whether we're dishing on the latest celebrity breakups, discussing our favorite guilty pleasure movies, or sharing embarrassing stories from our own lives, we promise to keep it real, keep it fun, and keep you coming back for more. Come judge with us. Acast
0: helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.
2: Yes! Fan bloody tastic. I hope everybody, number one, is still listening to this bit and hasn't instantly got a shovel and gone to Monmouth to Rockfield Studios to find whatever this treasure is. Do you know what? Since we recorded this episode, I have genuinely thought about going to Monmouth several times, rocking up at Rockfield, knocking Mm -hmm. on the big wooden door and going... All right, can I have a look at your guest book for a sec.
3: Um, <laughs> I just need a bit of info. I do. Yeah. If you can go back 23 years of guest books. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think, I don't think they've still got the same guest book from 1999. I know, I know. <laughs> oh. what, it's one big book, is it? No, yes.
2: They've <laughs> okay, got <a> gi- right. <laughs> I think, I think, from what I remember, they've got a giant guest book. It's honestly massive, right? And you only get like, I think you only get like, uh... a bit of a rectangle to fill in. So, yeah, I've, I also, I thought about is, should I go there? Should I go and try and find this? I hope it's something good. It probably isn't. It's probably like a fucking bottle top that they've d- done the hardogram on. But anyway, oh, it's, it's got to be worth something and it's got to be worth something to him and Vilvalo fans. So go back, use this information. If anybody <laughs> finds it, tag us on Twitter, Instagram, and you can put us in TikTok, uh, but we won't fucking see it. At Sappening
3: Pod, at S A P E N I N P O D. Yes, we were quite tempted to go and film something ourselves to try and see if we could find it. But at the same time, we don't get arrested on the properties of anything we're not supposed to be at. So if you do it, uh, we didn't tell you to do it. Yeah. You did it on yeah, your
0: own. We record. didn't tell
2: you to do it. We just no, no, told no, no. you that, that this do- information exists. <laughs> we are not condoning you going there and getting it. Wink.
3: Don't think they could hear that then, but I, I did a wink. Mm, but I absolutely loved all the stories and just the jokes and humor Vil has. I once interviewed them before in 2013 with Vil and me gay. And so, obviously, this is 10 years ago. I was 17 at the time. Uh, and this is my first uh experience with the people online not liking things you get wrong because basically at that time I was very worried about mispronouncing their name, so we were in the tour bus so we did the interview beforehand and i was just asked them quickly about pronunciations because i was worried migue told me to just call him mike Uh. because that's what he gets called over here and the internet did not appreciate the fact i called him mike and that was a whole thing and i'm still scarred to this day but nevertheless vil's been great i'm i'm so happy he's back doing new music Uh, The new album, Noir Noir, is absolutely fantastic. He's going to be in the UK next month throughout March. All the dates are sold out, so if you're lucky enough to get yourself a ticket to that, have a fantastic time. But he will be appearing at Downloads Festival 2023 at Donington Park in June, where another certain artist is going to be performing. I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, there's like, um, so you've got a cult leader there, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But there's also a reunion happening at that festival.
2: Don't tell me, fucking Black Sabbath, Ozzy's playing. Is he even though he quit yesterday or two days ago,
3: whatever it, it, it was? It, this is uh, very sad news that Ozzy is retiring. But no, the, your, your band. Oh,
2: yes, we are playing. <laughs> fucking right, the Blackout, the Blackout are playing download festival um do you know what we went a g- to a gig the other day to interview somebody right for a future podcast and some girl said to me hey sean smith on the blackout when are the blackout getting back together then and i said for download and she went huh what what really i was like yeah she went oh oh i didn't know huh and i was like well there you go um <laughs> ow that'll teach you for not following us um yeah but i couldn't believe it but she was like Fuck,
3: what huh oh i have
2: to go now and I was like, oh, Alright, yeah, cool, man.
3: Well if, if she's if she's recognized you, surely a she she must follow you on something. She must follow you think she maybe follows the podcast. You think she would've maybe listened to it, maybe would have sh- seen you tweet about it or something. They, no. Well they did say they saw me DJ um at a major event that happened uh
2: last year or the year before. And um yeah, so I don't know. Where they're just the update of my haircut last year. And they were like, Oh, oh that's what he looks that's like now. And now you've seen it. me again. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh. Um, but yeah, I was like, Yeah. No, yeah. Download. And they were like, Oh, i Oh, I only asked you as a joke. And then after as I walked away, I was like, Oh, you just being mean. <laughs> you just like, Oh, where's that thing you love coming back? And I oh, never is he a fucking long-headed twat. Ha-ha, <laughs> <laughs> you were wrong, weren't you? Ha-ha, <laughs> das is nick. good. Oh, yeah, they were German, by the way, as well. That's why I've added (laughs) that. But yes, thank you very much to Vilvalo again for coming on the podcast. We had a great time. Despite him being ill, he was fucking absolutely fantastic with us, and I didn't expect it, and he didn't need
3: to be, and I am extremely, extremely grateful. Yes, well, we're excited to see him in the flesh. Hopefully do another one of these with him at Downloads Festival. Uh, A quick shout-out to a previous episode as well. Uh, I mentioned people being obsessed with Vilval posters in the past. Uh, Most of them were taken uh, by our good friend and photography legend, Paul Harries. If you go back to episode 140, he talks about his whole experiences with bands like him, Evanescence, Black Sabbath, Biffy Claro. So it's worth checking out. Uh, And if you've enjoyed this episode, you've got any idea who you'd like to have on future podcasts, please let us know at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. But most importantly, go and check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. We're over there. Not only can you help keep this podcast running each and every week, but you get included into a wonderful cult group friendship uh, with many, many people who are going to gigs and stuff together and it's super wholesome and awesome to see. So that's patreon.com forward slash Sapnin.
2: I couldn't believe this week, like how many of them have like turned up together at holding absence. I DJ'd in Swansea last weekend. And four or five of our Patreons turned up there, and it was fucking awesome to see them. And um, give them a cutch, and uh, yeah, hang out for a little bit. So thank you very much to everyone who's already a Patreon. If you're thinking about it, please, please do it. If not, share and like our stuff, and comment on stuff, please, because it all helps. But without further ado, I have to thank the top tiers of our Patreon, and they are as follows. Thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Leeway, Janelle Castan, Paul Irshfield, Tony Michael, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Ewing, Scott, Ch- uh, Scarlett Charlton. And you call us Scott then, like she married Scott Jones, who's further down the list. Anyway. Scarlett Charlton, Emma Barber, Nathan Croshaw, Mitch Perry, Sammy G, Kat Bess, and Dana Lasnova, Jenny Robertson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Amy Dawson, Amy Louise, Stuart McNaught, M. Evans Robert, Stephen Aston, Caroline Robertson, Kate Patak, Louis Cook, Danny Eaton, Carl Pendlebury, Martina McManus, Jenny Munster, James McNaught, Kelly Cannon, Emily Perry, Jason Oredia, John and Emma, Craig Harris, Khalila Keene, Ollie Amesbury, Adam King of the Goss parcel, or Josh, a mummy covered in chocolate and nuts has been discovered in Egypt. Archaeologists believe it may be Pharaoh Roche. Crisp. <laughs> the Crisp yeah, is like of Joe, that's that. his surname. <laughs> I, like one. I like that one, fair play, that's good. Thank you very much. Alice Wood, <laughs> Reese Boring, Kate Stevenson, <laughs> Kyle David-Smith, and last by no means, Connor Lewins and family. Thank you very much to all of those people.
3: We we'll love every single person involved with the Patreon, so thank you so much for checking out. Thank you everyone for getting this far. Uh, and of course, we'll be back next week and every Friday with a new episode and a very special guest. And the next week one will have you on the same level of excitement trying to tease it without giving anything away. But that's all I can say for now. So make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening. Come back next week and have a jolly good time. Yes. Yes.
2: I sound like Daniel Bryan. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Imagine they yeah. did it like I had no enthusiasm yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. That's kind of how it felt to me. Though, anyway. Stop. <laughs> Stop.
3: Stop. happening. Fucking tangent, man.
2: You're listening to Savlin' Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast
3: or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, Thank you very much.